0: Hello Internet, this is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar and welcome to the Redshirt King Manifesto. We're going to preview Group C of the World Championship in today's episode. We're going to start with the team that I think is going to finish last in the group and then work our way up to the team that I think is going to finish first. I'm very excited to talk to you guys about all of this today. Uh, If you want to know why it's just me talking to you today, definitely uh, watch the video Uh, saying moving forward that is going to be on our channel by this point. So let's just get into it. I'm super excited to talk about Group C because I get to start with a team from Turkey. Yeah, right? Let's do it. Shout out to my former Turkish brethren back when I was a coach for uh, Imperial Esports back in 2016. But this is Fenerbahce, 1907 Fenerbahce Esports, as... We were reminded many times by people on the desk who really wanted to hammer that in. I'm guessing that was like one of the, like a note that Riot passed around, like make sure that you mention it's 1907 Fenerbahce. We don't want to get them confused with 1997 Fenerbahce somehow. I, I, it seemed a little silly to me, but it was very funny to see Riot kind of fall over themselves for that. But you know what? They, who didn't fall over? Fenerbahce. They ended up going 4-1 and one in the group, got that tiebreaker win over Hong Kong Attitude, and they beat one uh, esports, three games to one in their play-in series. So they actually have a little bit more of a sample size when you look at the data here with nine games played. So I'm going to lean a little bit more on the stats than I have when I talked about Fnatic and with Cloud9, as I'm going to talk about with World Elite, where I'm mostly going to be focusing on what they did in the regular season for their regions. I have to start with Patton, right? Like, we have to start there? Where did this come from? I have no idea. There was nothing, nothing in the guy's player history that would have indicated this. I talked to multiple experts from Turkey heading into the event because I like to keep up with the scene and see how that's going. I talked to several of my players who played with Padden in the past as I was prepping for the Fenerbahce article that I wrote last week, which hopefully you guys read. If not, it's going to be in the description for this particular episode. I got nothing. I I did not see this coming. I don't quite know how it happened. It's it's been fascinating. He's been playing really well on things like Tristana and Twitch, you know, losing early game, and he loses early game a lot, like negative 397 gold differential at 10 minutes a lot. That's not great when you compare it to what we consider a, a great top laner to be capable of. But he did such a good job at coming in on these team fights, coming in at the right angles, making sure to, to get those escapes when he needs it, but also getting those resets, being willing to make aggressive plays, especially on the Tristana. I thought he looked very good. I, I, I don't want to discredit him for any of his performance in that tournament. I will note that the large sample size that is his entire career would say that that's not likely to work out again. I would also note that Tristana has revealed itself as a massive power pick throughout the play-in stage, and I expect teams on the main stage of the World Championship to adjust accordingly. I don't think Caitlyn's going to... Excuse me. I don't think Tristana is going to be played nearly as much as she was at this play-in event. So those things could bring Patton back down to earth. But if he stays at this level... Suddenly, the, the sky is the limit with this Fenerbahce team. I mean, that would be a huge second carry that they desperately need because, unfortunately, as we all probably should have seen coming because we've seen this episode before, Thaldron didn't look great on the international stage. He looked better. I want to give him credit for that. He looked better than he has at either of the MSIs that he attended in 2015 uh, with... Reshiktas in 2016 with super massive. He deserves credit for that. But he didn't look great. He struggled in lane. He was constantly being attacked as the weak link when you saw what enemy teams were trying to focus on in the early game. He's a guy that I've seen described as a SOAS type character in a lot of ways where he does really well when he's given a lead Really struggles when he's caught out from behind and can kind of tilt in that way. Great leadership potential. I think that he's a great locker room guy. So I think the intangibles make up for some of these skill deficiencies that we saw in the play-in. But on the World Championship stage, you have people that have all of those great intangibles and are super talented. It's not an either-or when you talk about, say... A Korean team, like the one that they're going to be facing in this group. Or the the Royal Never Give Up, G2. These are all teams that have talented top laners that are great at the intangibles and are also great players. So I I think that, unfortunately for Thaldron, this draw is not ideal for his skill set. He should be exploited pretty easily. I think another guy that's going to be exploited pretty easily in this group It's going to be Crash. And that seems crazy to say, right? I can see you guys. I hear the typing now. Hey Chase, don't you remember that Crash got three Baron Steals during the playing group? He was awesome. Okay, let's let's get something straight when it comes to Baron Steals. Baron Steals are not a reliable method of winning games. Baron Steals are what happens when your opponent screws up and allows for the opportunity for a Baron Steal to take place to be there. Good teams use this thing called vision control. And what vision control does is it allows you to see where your opponents are likely to be. and allows you to make educated decisions based on where they are around the map. So that you pick the fight at the right moment. You remove the threat of the enemy jungler, either because you know they're not there or because you kill them. And then you take the Baron. And it's great. That's how this works. That's how it's supposed to work. Hong Kong Attitude did not understand how that worked. And the fact that Crash got away with two Baron Steals in the first game that they won and then another Baron Steal in the second game that they won, I, I don't see that as a great sign for Crash's overall potential because I don't think the teams he's going to be playing against are going to be that boneheaded in how they play around the map. Hong Kong Attitude lost that group. I don't know if the Fenerbahce won it. Don't get me wrong, Patton played great. He deserves credit for that. But when push came to shove, the team around Patton didn't necessarily have these crazy numbers. I don't think that Crash looked particularly good at any of these, these kinds of moments from a early game perspective. He is a guy who... Still doesn't know how to communicate very well with his teammates. He did a great article, uh, a great interview in which he broke down this whole idea of like, well, Thaldren and Frozen speak really good English, so they're helping me, even though I don't really speak English. That seems like a an issue when we talk about cohesiveness with a team, and that's without even talking about the fact that he's only played those nine games with his team on a stage. That matters. We like to believe that, you know, players are interchangeable pieces to this puzzle. And that's why when the offseason happens and we're like, "Oh yes, they brought in these two new pieces. Now we know exactly how they're going to fit together. That's just simply not the case. That, that is a misnomer that we use because it's the offseason. And we can't speculate on, well, are they going to get along as good friends? Are they going to live in a house together all right? You can't, like, some of these things you just can't talk about until we actually see these things come to fruition. I think the Crash is doing as well as someone could reasonably expect a jungler that has not played with this team and does not speak the native language in which they shot call. I think he's done well. But compared to junglers who do know how to speak the language of the rest of their team, compared to junglers who have played for a full year or more with their roster... He doesn't look that great. Like, that's the problem, is we're now talking about this higher standard. And I don't say this to tear Crash down so much as I say it to understand properly the context of what they would have to overcome if they're going to be this great world championship team. That's not happening. I don't think that this team quite has the potential. I think they're going to take a game. I think we're going to see a great... Aurelian Soul game, particularly from Frozen. He's very good at that champion. I'm so glad I got to bring it out in the series against one, especially the clinching series. That was the Frozen game. Felt like games one and two were very much, uh, or one and three, I should say, are very much padding games in how they won. But game four was like a classic Frozen rotates around the map and dictates the entire pace of the game. And they're just able to snowball from there. That's the method that I think if Fenerbahce are going to win a map, that's how they're going to do it. And I think they can pull it off once, and I think that that might be the difference maker between who gets second and who gets third from this group. They have great spoiler potential, but their weaknesses are just too big for this kind of stage. I find it very hard to believe that they are going to be able to keep up in the same way that the teams above them are going to, because they're just... All of these issues when it comes to communication, when it comes to uh, nerves on an international stage, and also just straight-up talent level. Padden beat up on some not-great eighty carries. He's going to be playing much better eighty carries. In this group in particular, such a rough path for them to need to go through. Uh, the draw did not help them at all. But them's the breaks. That's the group they're in, and that's why I think... They're going to finish fourth in this particular group. But we're going to move on to my third place pick for this group. Royal, never give up. Never give up. Never surrender. Goonies never say die. Good old Royal. I love their name. I really do. And I love this team for what they are. Which is a big asterisk. That's that's the yeah but that is going to come with my analysis of Chinese teams throughout all of the world championship. they're What they do, they're good at. They deserve credit for it. They have a lot of potential through it. But I'm not particularly sure that that strategy holds up on an international stage. And let me kind of get a little bit deeper into why I feel that way. Because a lot of people hear that and they're like, oh, well, what what is it about China? Like, you can't just say, well, China hasn't performed on an international stage in a positive way since 2015 when Edward Gaming won MSI. I mean, I, I could say that. And in fact, I'm saying it. Here's me saying it right now. That's absolutely the case. That's what happened here. But, you know, I, I think that ultimately, they, as a region, are a, a region that does really, really well at one thing above everything else, and that is when they get a lead, they finish decisively. It is a clear moment in which they sense this momentum and they go. And you, as as Royal Never Give Up, they have so many great tools to do that. Uh, Let Me has developed quite nicely. I I, I find him to be uh, a very fun player to watch more often than not. Uh, someone who I think has carry potential, but also has some some tanks that he can play. You know, we, we've seen through spring he's had the ability to do both. Through summer I think he's proven he has the ability to do both. And that versatility in the top lane is going to be huge for them. I think Zhaohu is a very, very, very good mid laner. I love his ability to rotate around the map effectively. I think he's absolutely capable of playing... You know, those sorts of playmaking champions. He looks his best when he's playing things that can really chase down his opponent. I love seeing him on things like Lucian, where he had a ton of outplays when you look at their Chinese playoffs, just going through those series they had against Team WE and EDG in particular. I think that that was very much in play. I think Uzi is Uzi. We love Uzi, right? Everybody loves Uzi. He, how could you not? He goes for all these big plays and when he goes off, oh my God, he's popping off like crazy. He's got 10 kills somehow in like eight minutes and the guy just takes over a game and that's fun. This is a fun team. Let's all have fun watching this team. But the problem with fun is that fun is not the same as consistent. It's certainly not the same As intelligent. And I think that one of the things that we as Westerners kind of get caught up with when we look at something like China, they have clearly amazing mechanics. These are great players from a solo queue perspective, undoubtedly. And they will overpower weaker regions like that. I think they could have the ability to just overpower a team like Fenerbahce. I don't know that that's going to be a particularly close series of matches. But at the same time, they do have this macro play that is just so limited in scope. It, it feels like their entire strategy as a team with Royal is just Do we think we have a 55% chance to win this fight? Because we know that we're talented. We know that we have those mechanics. So if we think we can win this fight, we are going for it. No doubt. No hesitation. Let's go in. And with a guy like Uzi, who is determining the structure of that team and a lot of the play style just by his natural leadership of the team and natural play style that he's just established over the years— it's not surprising to see that. Of course, that's what they're doing. Of course, this is this super aggressive team fight slash skirmish team that tries to win that like 15 to 25 minute mark and just snowball from there. But their early game rotations aren't great. And I have yet to see them have a great comeback win. And that's a huge red flag to me when we get to the international stage because Royal is not going to be able to overpower people consistently as a whole. Not against Korea, not against Europe, not against North America. You know, these are power regions. They play in, you know, they, they have enough consistency and stability within those scenes. Those, the, the players from a mechanical perspective are not what hold teams back from reaching that next tier of play. It's the decision-making. And I don't think Royals' decision-making is very good. And let's talk about Uzi, because he is this all-fight, all-the-time guy. And he's been paired now with Ming, who does what Ming always has to do, what all of his supports always have to do, which is just try to keep the guy alive, because he has no understanding of survival instincts. He just sees a kill and he's like, I want the kill. He's right there. Let me kill him. I want to do it. So let me do the thing. And he does. And then sometimes he goes for it and he gets absolutely blown up because why was he there? That was a silly overextension. He didn't have nearly the vision for it. And now Ming is overextended because he's desperately trying to keep Uzi alive. And now they've given up too. And that's the skirmish that they've now lost, which in China, could lose you the whole game. It's, it's. I I cannot stress enough the accelerated pace of Chinese play compared to what you see from like a North America or a Europe. And the thing about Uzi is, he's a very good player. I'd go so far as to say great. But I don't think he's any better than he was in season six. And I don't think at the world championship last year, he was any better than he was in season five. I think we know who he is. I think we know his limitations. I think we know his strengths and weaknesses. I think the teams can game plan around that. You know, make sure that you're playing a little bit safer than normal, especially in the bot lane. Don't let that gank come down. Don't let Uzi get those couple early kills that he is so good at snowballing off of. Play it safe. Force them to come to you with superior vision around especially neutral objectives like Rift, Herald, and Dragon. And win those fights that way, when, uh, when you can kind of lure Royal Never Give Up into a fight that they absolutely do not want to take. Because they will take that fight, even as they know they probably shouldn't because they are so confident in their players' abilities to get that chase down. And it's this ebb and flow with RNG. If you try to disengage from them, they draft compositions that are great at chasing you down. They draft compositions with a lot of speed to them, a lot of dive potential. You're going to see a lot of Jarvan. You're going to see a lot of you know, Maokais to root everybody in. You're going to see a lot of Nars to really force that fight. You're going to see a lot of Lucian from the mid lane, a lot of Cassidy. This is what they do. They chase you down. You cannot get away. So you draft hard cage comps. You say, well, you know what? We don't want to run away. We want to counter-engage from whatever initial attempt you put and force you to use all those mobile, uh, those mobile options to get away. And if you already used them to get in, well, now you're just gonna be dead. That's the plan. And I think that that is a plan that the two other teams in this group are perfectly capable of executing. And I do think that that's a, something that when you look at the decision that they made to, to bring Uzi in, Clearly a guy that they didn't, you know, they weren't 100% on where exactly they wanted him to be. Uh, they only played 21 games in the regular season. I think there were some, some issues behind that. I am not the expert in terms of how the regular season played out. I'm looking at the team for who they were in the playoffs and taking bits and pieces from what I've read from people like Kelsey Moser who do watch China on a regular basis. So please take this with a grain of salt. But if you're saying to yourself, man, that sounds a lot like the Royal Never Give Up team that disappointed us at Worlds last year, I would respond, yup. That's where we are. That's the team. It's basically that team again. MLXG is not any better than you remember him being. And if you remember him being good but not great, congratulations, you're caught up with MLXG. A uh, little bit better on the Gragas, which is nice that that's in the meta. Uh, that's probably his best champion from what I've seen. Rest of it, you can kind of take or leave. So, I have them third. I think that they certainly have the explosive potential to do better than third. I think they certainly have a great team-fighting unit when they can pick fights on their own terms, when they are entering that mid-game with enough of a lead that they can feel confident executing this super-aggressive attack plan. But I don't necessarily think they're going to be in that spot all that often. I think that there's a huge risk that this team sort of just falls to the wayside a little bit when it comes to teams that can match them on that early game pressure. That if they're forced to come in to a team that has a lot of counter-engage, and instead of trying to disengage or in a way, stands their ground and is picking the fights with superior vision, because World's vision was not particularly great. I was never taken aback by their vision uh, as something like, oh yeah, this is a great tool for them to come back when things work out. It's They're all right. They're a good team. They're a good team. I want to make this clear. I just don't think they're that good of a team. I think that they are, of the three Chinese teams at this event, I think they're the most flawed. Because I think that Uzi is a dual-edged sword. And that style of play can be a a trap as much as it can be this grand strategy that just takes your opponents off guard. I would rather put my money on the two teams that I think have been more consistent in recent weeks and who have a play style that I am less concerned about how that translates to the international stage. So let's talk about the team I have second, because I just talked about consistency and you guys are probably thinking, wait, but G2 still in this group, right? And yes, they are. And that is the second place team that I'm going to be talking to you guys about here. I like G2. I know. It's crazy. As a European analyst, I feel like I have to defend a team that just won its fourth straight European championship that finished second at MSI just three months ago, four months ago. This team's good! This team's genuinely good! I, I don't think that people have shaken off the rust that G2 showed in the first few weeks. When they did have visa issues, when a couple players took vacations, when they, they had a slow start, which happens a lot with MSI teams... Let's not act like SKT had some perfect regular season. They struggled at bits and pieces too. TSM did not look as strong as they did in the 2016 summer split, despite bringing back all of the same players. I I think that as a whole, we underestimate how much the time off to recharge batteries and really... Think about everything that went wrong in your split and and readjust accordingly and and make the changes you need to make versus having to spend that same month strategizing and coming up with things you want to do on patches that are immediately made, if not irrelevant, at least far less relevant because you get this mid-season update that just changes so many little details. So yeah, they started slow. Of course they did. I... I think that as a whole, though, we should be able to trust what we saw towards the end of the season. And what we saw towards the end of the season was a team that went 3-0 in the finals and got the first 3-0 in an EU-LCS EU finals in history. And how are they doing that? Well, to be honest, it's the same thing that we've seen now for a while from this G2 team. And I know that can get boring for people. Because they say, oh, but we want this new blood. We want to see this team really you know, take it to the next level. They weren't necessarily pushed in that way this split. But you know what they do have? They do have Sven and Mithy, who are one of the best bot lanes in the West, if not the world as a whole. A very consistent bot lane. Even in the games in which they were struggling as a team, Sven and Mithy mostly held up. I think that Mithy every once in a while would make some mistakes in terms of when he tried to ward without necessarily having some help to back him up. But as far as their lane play goes, they are an incredibly good lane pairing. And I think that they're going to be really benefiting from that in this particular meta. I think that there are so many eighty carries that have the ability to really turn the game on its heels in that 15 to 25 minute mark. And I trust Zven to get there, and I trust Mithy to get him there as long as they're able to stay comfortable in that lane. And I think that now that Trick has gotten a little bit more of his feet under him, I think that's going to be in play. I think that we can get there. I think overall, you know, Perk's had a good season. Certainly not a perfect season if I never see his... Lucian again, it'll be too soon. But I think overall, you're looking at a guy who has this clear playmaking potential, constantly feels like he is capable of making the play that will turn things around for his team every time. And that's a great thing to have in the mid laner. You need someone who you feel you can run your offense through, who you feel can roam around the map, especially right now. You need mid laners that can roam to those side lanes, get things going, get that tower, start snowballing off of either the Dragon or the Rift Herald, and start really pushing to get those towers down and take advantage of that mid-game spike. And that's something where I think he's perfectly capable of and absolutely ready to go. And that's a great tool to have in your back pocket. I'm excited for what perks can do on this stage. I think, obviously, last year he was nervous. I think those nerves overcame him. And I think that really set him back from being able to play the type of game that we would expect to see. But I think the Met is much more in his favor right now. And I think that, ultimately, he will have used that experience to better himself. And we saw that at MSI. I I think that that proved to me that he can do it on the big stage. That's enough for me. You can still have your doubts. I don't blame anyone who says, yeah, but it's not like he got right back up to where we thought he was at the end of spring by the end of summer. And you're not wrong. I think there's still room for him to grow. I have faith that Young Buck knows how to boot camp by this point. I think they've had enough failings on the international stage to understand what doesn't work. And I think whatever they did at MSI that made that shift from a weaker group stage to a much better bracket stage, I think they're going to build off of the lessons that come in from there. But, and this is the but that everyone was waiting for, Trick is not the same guy that he was when this team was the most dominant form of G2 that we've seen. I would argue that the team that won the summer split, despite the 3-0 was probably the weakest version of G2 that we have seen in regional play since the 2016 Spring Split, back before uh, they had gotten rid of Kikis and Emperor, and they they made those kinds of shifts. I think, ultimately, this is a team that relies on Trick to get ahead, that relies on his ability to get Vision into the enemy map, that relies on his ability to... Really snowball those resources, counter jungle so effectively, uh, understands when to push which lane, and really give his teammates the lead that they need to exceed. When they have Trick popping off, this team is incredibly good. And I I think that team could stand with the best of any non-Korean team, and possibly Samsung. Samsung's not a perfect team. We always act like the Korean teams are so much better than these other Western teams. But we saw Rocks Tigers drop some games in the group stage last year. The bracket stage is a little different when they get chances to adjust. But I absolutely believe G2 could steal one here. 100% in play. Not a doubt in my mind. But there is a problem, and I think it's a big problem, and that's what does Trick play? Because his Gragas isn't great. It's just not. I I think he's had enough opportunities to prove that he could play it well, and he hasn't proved that he can play it well. I think his Sejuani's very good, but I don't think Sejuani right now didn't look great in the play-in stage. 15 games played by teams who used her in the play-in stage to only a 46.7% win rate. And no, that doesn't include that one really bad Sejuani top game. I have no idea what the deal with that was, but... Whatever. That's not here nor there. The point is, I'm not sure Sejuani's that great. And even if it is that great, if you band it away from Trick, what's he going to play? Do you feel great about his Jarvan? Because I don't. I, I don't think that, you know, Nidalee right now proved to be a particularly useful pick. Elise certainly isn't a useful pick. Zach didn't look great in the one game in which he was picked. I'm not sure how deep trick's champion pool goes. I think that if you are trying to beat G2, the best thing you could possibly do is ban out the Sejuani, hit the couple things from his champion pool that you think could translate well, and just ban him away and say, what else you got? Because Sven and Mithi are very good. But they're not unbeatable, not by the quality of teams that we're going to be seeing here. Ruler and, and Core JJ are a great bot lane. Uzi obviously a great 80 carry. I, you know, I like perks a lot, but do I do I think that he's a step above Frozen? No, I don't think he's better than Zhao Hu. And I certainly don't think he's better than Crown. So you really need Trick to get you ahead. You really are depending on that. And despite the fact that Trick has gotten better in his numbers across the board as the season went on, finally fought himself back into the positives for goal differential at 10 minutes towards the end of the split, I don't think he's the same guy. I don't think their map control is anywhere near as complete as it was in previous splits. And to me, that's a huge red flag because I think this team relies on that. They depend on on having a guy who can get this going, who can really put this team in the position that they need to succeed, he is the center of everything that they do. And if they're not getting the vision that he provides, if they're not stealing away those resources to force their opponent to kind of feel pressured to make moves that aren't necessarily great for them because they have to do something, because otherwise they're just going to get starved out. Well, if they're not being starved out, G2 is a very good team that can very much be beaten by the very good-to-great teams that are surrounding them. I think, ultimately, I believe that Trick has found something else that we just don't know about yet. I I don't know what that's going to be. I have not looked at players' solo queue accounts in China. Uh, That's just not something that I am particularly well-versed in. But I would be shocked if G2 didn't spend the last month and tell Trick, you've got to fix this. Because if you play the way that we need you to play, we can surprise a lot of people. But if Trick falls off, nothing's happening there. So ultimately, I have him second, which means I do believe that Trick can figure this out and or... I don't believe that RNG is going to be consistent enough to take the games that they need to get out of this group. I This could really go either way. I had it as a coin flip, honestly. I, I think that the positives of each team are, are quite nice. I think the negatives concern me, and I think I'm more concerned about Royals' negatives than I am about Trick, because I think Trick has had a lot of time to fix some of those issues. I I want to believe that they were able to pull that off. But we'll see. And, and we do have one more team we need to talk about. So let's get into Samsung Galaxy. Woo, finally. Get to talk about a Korean team on here, a team that is actually going to be relevant once the bracket stage rolls around. Oh, God, our Korean overlords are cruel. But this is a fun... Team, when they're not getting in their own way, and, and what do I mean by that? I this is a team that I think spends a bit too much time trying to substitute players in and out willy nilly. Uh, Emily Rand, I think, wrote a great article back when they got 3 0'd by SK Telecom breaking down just how that inconsistency in the starting lineup really prevented them from getting momentum going and kind of put their players on edge because you have this moment where it's like, oh, if I don't play well, I get benched. So I better do something, right? I have to make a play because if I don't make a play, I, don't get to pl- I, I might be put on the sidelines and then I won't get to do anything. So then what happens in that situation almost always is they start forcing things because the pressure to do something and to be the guy that then you secure your spot in and everyone's like, yeah, we have faith in you. That is a dual-edged sword. It's good that they're decisive. It's bad because they feel pressured to do something, whether it's the best play or not. And you really want players who understand that it is worthwhile to pass up a good opportunity in favor of a great one. Always, always worth it. I would take... Three great fights over five or six good fights every time because those good fights can backfire. The great fights are going to get me the big objectives I need to succeed. So there's a patience there that they're going to have to show that they haven't always done in best of fives. Luckily, these are best of ones, so this is much less of a concern. You're mostly going to see, when we look at whether it's going to be Ambition or Haru, it's going to be a stylistic matchup based on what they're looking for at the time. Personally, I would just go Ambition straight up. I don't think Haru is offering anything in this particular meta that they couldn't get from Ambition. Like, you know, we've seen Haru in the past, he's been good on... Things like Rengar and Kha'Zix and Lee Sin and Graves. That's just not where the meta is. Ambition is much better at playing these tankier, engaged tools. And he's a much better shot caller for this team. It's absurd to me, genuinely absurd to me, that Samsung seems to distrust a guy who was such a pivotal part of a team that took SK Telecom to five games at the World Championship that this guy who seems to have great camaraderie with his teammates, great synergy, understands when his teammates need him to be in which places. You've got to take advantage of that. And in his numbers across the board, whether you look at the summer split, whether you look at the playoffs, whatever you want to use, this team is better when ambition is on the rift. I really hope that Samsung do not blow this for themselves and give up the chance to be the one seed out of Group C because they feel this need to experiment with their lineup. You're at the World Championship now. Trust your five. Unless you have someone like an Easy Hoon that is so perfectly capable of providing a skill set, a very particular skill set, that your main option does not, there's no need to use your sub. It's just not necessary. The sub is there to supplement when you believe there's something they can offer that you're not currently getting. And there is nothing that Haru is offering in this meta that is better than what Ambition can offer. Unless this Nidalee pick just explodes out of control, which I don't think is going to happen. I wasn't particularly impressed by it. So, if they can avoid that, then you get to have the fun stuff. Uh, I think that QV has developed into a fantastic top laner. Really love watching him play. I think that he can outduel people when he needs to, uh, but primarily he sets his teammates up so well for success whenever those team fights come in. I think his teleports are pretty much perfect, and I think that. He's a guy that I'm going to be looking at as the center of all of these winning plays that they're going to be orchestrating. Because while ambition is the guy in the early to mid-game that really takes over, Q V has this late game potential that makes him such a dangerous frontline threat, especially on those bruisers. I think that he's going to be very difficult for teams to deal with. I think Core JJ and Ruler are a very good bot lane. You know, Core JJ now has had a whole other year under his belt at this position, and I think that his understanding of the game has only improved since then. I think that they had some concerns with Ruler's champion pool. I don't need to see Jin, is what I'm trying to say here. They don't need to go for these kinds of cheesy picks. They need to trust that Ruler's fundamentals are strong enough. And I think that when he plays meta champions like Tristana, he looks fine. I think he's good. Maybe not as good as some of these other Korean players. I can see why that was their concern. But on this stage, I I think that you're going to have to trust that he's been able to use those last few weeks to develop a more comfortable strategy with the rest of his teammates, and that he's going to be able to, to feel a little bit better on champions like Zaya that I haven't been particularly impressed with his play on. I, I think this is a good bot lane. I think this is a very good bot lane. And I think that when you look at the strengths of their solo laners, it's going to help. I will say, Crown is not as good as I remember. I think he's taken a step back. And obviously, with things like Victor and Azir falling out of the meta, you know, so much of what Crown did best is his zone control. And zone control mages aren't necessarily all that popular nowadays. Cinder's really the only one that I would describe really as a zone control champion in the mid lane. But when he's good, he's really good. And this is a guy who clearly has the experience. Everyone on this team has played on the World Championship stage. Everyone on this team has been able to battle their way through the LCK. And they 3-0'd KT Rolster. They can deal with super talented teams. The mechanics are not a problem for them. They can deal with teams that are mechanically excellent. What they can't deal with are teams that are smarter than them. And this is, I think, a fundamental flaw that's going to come back to haunt them when we hit the bracket stage. I think that when they don't have ambition on the rift, they are capable of being outsmarted. I think that when they do keep them on the rift, I still don't like them as much as I like, say, Longju or SK Telecom. I think those teams are much more consistent in terms of their, their day-to-day series-to-series play of just understanding when those rotations need to be there. I think Samsung's a little bit hesitant to to close out games. I think it takes them longer than what we expect from teams in this particular meta, because they're not as decisive. And that will come back to haunt them once they get out of the group stage. I think that the particular teams that they're going up against here, Fenerbahce can't keep up. I don't think Royal Never Give Up can keep up with the macro rotations that Samsung are gonna bring. And Trick's going to have to play the best that Trick has ever played on the international stage if they're going to outdo Samsung Galaxy enough to take the group away from them. And I have enough concerns about Trick's champion pool. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that if a Korean team is going to lose a group, or, you know, just like, of course, we talk about like the worst case scenario is they get a two seed. Oh, heavens forbid. A Korean team had to go all the way down to a two seed from their group. But if they do, I I think that it'll be because Trick really took a step forward and Samsung just didn't have enough time to get what they wanted to get going. But I, I think that ultimately the Samsung team is still a very intelligent team. I think putting Ambition and Core JJ on the map together at all times will make sure that the shot calling is there. We'll make sure that they don't overextend. They don't give a lot of openings for their opponents to take advantage of it. And they're so good at taking those neutral objectives and really scaling well and trusting that when that team fight inevitably comes, they'll be able to take it. And I have faith in that as well. I, I'm i not nearly as confident as I am. Like Longzhu and SK Telecom, I can't see a world in which either one of them loses their group. I think those are guaranteed. I put Samsung at about 70%. I think that there's a 20% chance that G2 wins the group. And there's a 10% chance that Royal just overpowers people. And I'm completely misreading the the power level of China because I don't watch enough of it. It's possible. I think I've watched enough international competition over the years, and I watched a good bit of film from these Chinese teams. I'm not confident in Royal Never Give Up in that way. I'm confident in Samsung. I believe that we should have faith in our Korean overlords and that that will treat us well. And I hope this podcast treated you well. If you enjoyed it, Uh, Like, comment, subscribe, all that stuff that we have to throw out there at the end of every episode. I do try to reply to everybody, so I do want to keep that conversation going. And of course, you can reach me personally at King. You should join the Discord that you'll find in our link underneath if you want to talk to other members of the awesome community that we formed around this podcast. Tomorrow is going to be Group D, and that will be the end of the preview stage I will let you guys know what happens after that. I I don't know where I'm going to be taking things right now. I'm going to keep you guys in the loop as I figure things out. But I assure you that there's going to be more lovely content coming down the way as we get deeper and deeper into this world championship dive. So, until tomorrow, goodbye, Internet.